Hey everybody, Ryan here with a quick announcement. Uh, for those of you who are enjoying the What If podcast, thank you for enjoying the show. Also, you are only getting half as much of what you could be enjoying if you're not supporting us on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash what if podcast uh, for only five bucks a month you get twice as much two times two times two times two times uh the free show comes out on uh, tuesday nights if you're in the united tuesdays, states tuesdays uh and the paid show comes out on fridays and uh, it's just five bucks a month and you get an additional episode every single week so that's four additional episodes a month and uh yeah it's only five bucks that's like that's like a buck 25 an episode Come Great on, math, buddy. That's that's um that's like a penny. Nah, never mind. I was gonna fall apart. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, for those of you who already support the show on Patreon, thank you. And uh, for those of you who don't, go check it out. We actually just recently made one of our Patreon episodes free, so you can see what the Patreon is all about and uh, get a whole lot more "What If" in your ears. All right, with that, let's start the show. Hey, friend. Hi! Spooky triangles. <laughs> spooky geometry. Spooky shapes, spooky shapes. Bermuda. Hey, Spencer. Come on, let's go disappear. <laughs> that was the worst rendition of Kokomo I've ever heard. It's not. Beach Boys are spinning in their graves. More like Kokomo, am I right? Uh, mm, I think the Beach Boys are all still alive. <laughs> The Beach Boys all literally died because it was so just bad now. it killed them. And then just, they rolled over in their graves. Just now. And then they came back and they drove to Minnesota so they could slap my face. Hi. What's up, man? How are oh, you? Oh, great. Yeah? Yeah. Are you? Uh, yeah. You don't sound like yeah, it. Yeah, Rick. You sound like you're <laughs> lying about it maybe a I little. I am great. I just, you know, haven't really uh, been sleeping for a week or so. Mm, yeah. There's a small creature who has to pee on something about every two hours living in my house. On something. <laughs> Could be anything. Preferably the, the bare earth, but sometimes my rug. Um, yeah. How's how's that all going? Uh, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. He's, he's a fun little guy, but he's a handful. He's a handful. I'd say maybe even two hands full. He's getting there. He's a fat motherfucker. <laughs> he's, would you say he is big? Uh, yes. Damn, that boy <laughs> big. Nailed it. Fucking nailed it. My apologies for not having that. It's okay. Up. I think I actually did a pretty good job of emulating it. You got to get the pitch of your voice a little bit higher, though, if you can. That's hard, though, man. Damn, that boy big. <laughs> Especially since we cheated. And yeah. <laughs> there you go. We cheated and pitched it up. Oh, God. It killed me. <laughs> Speaking of, you screaming probably just made him pee on the floor. That's true. He's scared to piss right out of him. Sorry, bud. I think I scared the piss out of him when I walked in because I'm six foot five and he's. Because he looked at you ten, and thought. Ten inches tall. Yeah, that boy <laughs> Yes. And it made him pee. Oh, it man. made yes. him pee. Quick dog update because this is the, the uh, Dog Dad's podcast. Oh, yeah. wait. Dad Dog's ghost blog. There it is. Nailed it. Uh, he, he went outside yesterday after it snowed a bunch overnight. Yes. And he jumped into what had been his pee spot and was now a snow, snow bank. Mm. And it snowed more than his arms are long. 
So he, he so he disappeared. So he just kind of like got stuck. Uh-huh. Like you know, he now had four posts into the snow. Yes, but and his belly was being supported by the weight of uh-huh, the snow. Uh huh. He he <laughs> was a snowshoe in that moment. Dad, I live here now. <laughs> he just, this is it. He just looked around at the snow and gave out like two real kind of quiet, sad barks of like, man, what the fuck? Where <laughs> <laughs> you? We are taking uh, me. We are like, taking me. He was just mad at existence in that moment because it was too difficult for him. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. We'll continue giving you thrilling dog da- dog dates, up dogs, up up dog dates. You yeah. got any uh, pup dates? Um, yeah, I woke up in the middle of the night to the sound of my dog barfing. So that's what nice. you, that's what you have to look forward nice. to. <laughs> yeah. Why? Why is she so sick though? There's um. There's like a very, this is new for me. I know a lot of our listeners have like kids and dogs. This is new for Spencer and I, y'all. We're, we're growing up or trying to. Uh, we are some grown ass kids over here. We, the dad dog's ghost blog. Very much so. Responsibility, not really our thing. <laughs> we're trying it out though. <laughs> there's, a, there's this amazing, I don't know what the term is. There's this energy that courses through your veins when you wake up and it's pitch black in your oh, bedroom ah. and you just hear <laughs> gagging, barfing sounds. You're like, Ah! <laughs> who is it? Ah! You just, who, who dare? Yeah, all, your whole body is like, <laughs> what is happening and how do I fix it? Okay, and? Um, it turns out you just put it on the floor and let it throw up and mm. then you clean it up and then you mm. call your vet in the morning and say, why you do that though? <laughs> um, she's fine. Okay. She just had to, you know. Gotta get it out. <laughs> better out than in. Mm. Didn't Didn't strike her fancy. Well. If this is the first time you're listening to our show, we usually talk about puke less. And uh, and dogs more, actually. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Um, spooky shapes. Spooky shapes, man. This is a this is kind of a classic. This is a it is. It's an OG shredder. For, for better or worse, this one just <laughs> will not go away. And for so on better episode or worse. Whatever the fuck we're on. I feel obligated. Three hundred and fifty thousand. I feel obligated to talk about the old Bermuda Triangle. Um is there anything or the Devil's Triangle, if you will. Or wait, I've got another one that was real good. Do uh, you? The graveyard of the Atlantic. Sick. <laughs> Put it on the Nah, it's not gonna nah, we're getting a little, I didn't say it. Getting a little too liberal, bud. Um is there anything in particular that drew you to this? Is it just sort of like this one's just been out there forever and we haven't talked about it yet? Yeah, it's one of the last like big ones that we haven't hit, I feel like. Yeah. That's probably true. Well, yeah. All right. I mean, if you're going with the 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 classic like uh um, Loch Ness monster. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the Bigfoot. Yeah, 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 yeah. This, the Bermuda Triangle. Right. The classic yeah. spooky unexplained shit. This this one is near the top of the list and True. It's been around for so long and gone in so many directions and is probably not anything <laughs> that yeah. we haven't gotten to it yet, but now seems like a great time. Or it was aliens. Well, that's the other fun part is like, because it encompasses so many things, there are lots of really fun uh, attempts at explanations. Yes. Uh, many of which get very absurd. Oh, Yes. Oh where, yes. Where to begin? You want to start with some stories? You want to start with some some basic information for those of you that somehow don't know what the Bermuda Triangle is? <laughs> yeah, let's um why don't we start with some some basic information about it and then I would like to tell you the story of Flight 19 as I think a good place to start for sure. the Bermuda Triangle stories. 
And then if you have any stories, let's do those. Sure do. And then... Um, As usual, I skipped the the one that... The normal people, ones? Mm-hmm, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And I went for the uh, the Atlanteans are sinking our ships. Uh-huh. And I figured you might, so yeah, I didn't do yeah, any yeah. of that. Yeah, that's how we do this. Yeah, yeah. yes, it uh-huh. is. Spencer's you, like... Real information, real information, real information, real aliens. information. Aliens. And we're off. <laughs> All right. Well, so, it's it's a an area of the Atlantic Ocean. If you picture a triangle uh, with the three, what are the points of a triangle? Vertices? Are those the points of a triangle? I... I if you picture the three points of the triangle... <laughs> See, that's all we needed. <laughs> ...being Florida, Bermuda... Keep and, it simple, stupid. <laughs> ...and Puerto Rico. <laughs> yes. It is the area of the ocean that would be inside of that. So it's like the southwest corner port of Florida, basically Miami-ish, to Bermuda, to Puerto Rico. Yeah, it, the area encompasses uh, roughly 500,000 square miles, but wait, there wait, isn't... Wait, wait, Okay. It is. It is. It is. It is big. Um, It's a it's a big triangle uh, that that isn't really recognized by anyone officially. It's only a. What do you mean? um, People think it's like a rhombus or a trapezoid or something. No, no. I mean, it's not like a. You can't look at it on a map. It it is not a government. Like, this is the Bermuda Triangle. It's not a portion of the ocean specifically that has specific boundaries or anything like that, which is also part of, I think we'll get into this a little bit more later, but it's part of what complicates the the tale and the mystery of the Bermuda Triangle. Well, this happened by it, or this ship went through it three days before it disappeared. Right, and there's no... Did it pick up some spooky sauce on the way through? Yes, it it rained spooky sauce on the deck of your (laughs) ship, and then you got spooked to heck. All your people are gone. Yes, all your ships are belong to us now. Um, But the... The the sort of ambiguity of the area, I think, contributes to the ambiguity of the mystery and um, potentially, I guess I'll say, inflates the mystery a little bit because things are considered, well, if there are no boundaries to the Bermuda Triangle, what if they were on the southeast side of Bermuda? Like, does that still count? Like, right. It's, it's inexact. Yes. I, I think another part that uh, of this topic that inflates some of the perceptions of it or the stories about it is that this is like one of the most heavily trafficked parts of the ocean in the the entire world both uh on the sea and in the air in terms of air traffic yes um just high frequency yeah and we'll i mean we'll get into that i guess more later when we're talking about uh maybe what's actually going on here but if you think about that you know, kind of southeastern tip of the United States. That is, there are many, many ports. Um, if you go south of Florida, you know, Cuba, Haiti, the DR, Puerto Rico, all of those Miami, I, all of those islands. Yeah, anything coming from the east is probably going to pass through this Bermuda Triangle at some point for sure. Um, there. Speaking of the ambiguity around the mystery, there are a lot of estimates around how many uh, ships and or planes have disappeared in the Bermuda Triangle in the last 500 or so years. And? I've seen everything from uh, the numbers in the hundreds, like the mid to high hundreds. Meaning like 500 to 1,000? Like 500 to to 700. Okay. Um, 
the best one or the, I think the most reliable one is from like a History Channel article that said about a thousand boats and planes have disappeared in the past 500 years in that area. Do we know where those stats are coming from? Uh, no, I don't. Not directly. Because I could not find an actual source. I saw similar numbers, but it was always like linking to somebody's blog spot or crystal sure. crystallinks.org mm. or Bermuda Triangle.biz or Crystal know. Daddy Sweary Boys. Yeah. I we should get we should get swearyboys.blogspot.com just so we could have our own blog spot to does, like put our goofy stuff on. Can you still get a blog spot? Yeah, or is it legacy only at this point? I don't know. Keep telling people about the Bermuda Triangle, and I'll be right back. <laughs> Reach the part of the podcast where Ryan stops <laughs> listening and tries to acquire domains. Hey, it's not acquiring a domain. Yes, it is. Well, you just said we should try and get swearyboys.blogspot.com. It's a free domain. Yeah. So, <laughs> so therefore, it's a type of domain. Anyway, yeah. you uh, just get mad at me for buying them, but I'm not buying them. No, I get mad at you for not listening during our show, bro. I'm here. I'm here as fuck right now, bro. <laughs> What I would like to know, because that those numbers on their own don't mean a whole lot to me, because I don't know how many, what percentage of total trips that is. You know, is is seven hundred disappearances over the last several hundred years? Is that one out of every thousand ships that goes through there? Is it one out of every million? Right. And then also, how does that compare to other parts of the world? Is this right. actually a more dangerous section of ocean? than others with similar ports traffic. Ports around India or yeah. ports around South America or... Yeah. Right. Is is the fact that it just has a lot of traffic responsible for most of this mythology. Yeah, I think it's a great point. Is like, is the is the volume actually a terrifying volume? Or is the volume a normal volume when you take into consideration the number, or, the frequency of trips... Yeah, I guess and not even the, the volume necessarily, but just like the uh, the percentage of probability or whatever. Yeah, because yeah. honestly, you said seven hundred out over the past like couple hundred five hundred to a thousand. The highest one I saw was three thousand since in fifteen the fifteen hundreds. So like one to two a year, huh? You said a thousand. Are you saying a thousand per year or oh, a thousand yeah. total As, over five hundred years? Uh. Yes, a thousand in the last five hundred years. So, like two, like two a, a year. year. Well, that, that seems pretty low, honestly. right? But you have to remember that Columbus was sailing the ocean blue in fourteen ninety two. So there was not. I don't have to remember anything about that man. <laughs> don't only, tell me what I have to remember. Only Christopher. We acknowledge is Wallace. What yeah. up? I um, intentionally left everything about him out of this show. <laughs> but like, you gotta you gotta remember that that's what that's the type of sailing that was going on five hundred years ago. Well, right. I also drawn out over the whole time. It's two a year, but I guess I'm also thinking that the farther you go back, the more dangerous sailing probably was, or the, yeah. the lower the success rates were. But the flip side of that coin is that there was way fewer ships, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm and just there thinking, were way fewer planes in the 1500s. <laughs> yes, well, well, define planes, aliens. Uh, I'm just thinking like. When you hear some of the stories about abandoned ships or ghost ships going back in time, yeah, it sounds weird. And, you know, these stories have been told and retold over hundreds of years to the point where, you know, it sounds pretty spooky. But maybe we just didn't really know what we were doing yet. <laughs> and shit happens sometimes. Yeah. You know? Um, okay. So 
when you think about one or two a year, that doesn't sound that crazy to me. No, it doesn't. But again, I think it was probably averaging zero a year for probably three or 400 years. And then in the past wow. 100 years, a significant portion of them actually happened because that's when Can't we be had aver- airplanes. I, mean, I guess you could be averaging zero, but I doubt, Closer it. I doubt zero, it was zero. I'm saying. Yeah. Um, All right. What what's flight nineteen, and what does it have to do with the Bermuda Triangle? Spooky stories. Let's let's com. Let's let's just talk really quickly about um, some of the similarities that are pointed to around some of these wreckages. Is oh sure. Um, obviously, this is not the case with all of these. There have been a thousand to three thousand of these that have happened, so they're all different. But what people point to for similarities to sort of bolster the mystery are um, a handful of things. One, um, that inclement weather wasn't either forecasted or necessarily reported by the vessel. So, um, you know, radar more contemporarily or more historically just sort of um, whatever they called the guys that ran to the top, the guys with the telescopes i don't know observational weather yeah yeah observational weather um they didn't like necessarily write about that stuff in in you know any journals that were recovered um and there wasn't a forecast for that type of weather that you would believe would normally cause a thing like this um speaking of recovering journals another similarity that people point to is uh that often no wreckage is really found so um, true, like, disappearances of boats or true, um, you know, like, disappearances of, like, full flights, like, no plane cargo, no people, no nothing is found, usually. I, I apologize for the music that just started playing from Bruce Gernon's Electronic Fog website. I don't know who that is, but that's awesome. I pulled up my notes because you reminded me. I want to talk about electronic fog late, yep. later. And uh, Bruce Gernon's electronic fog blog. <laughs> God bless. God bless. Has uh, some sort of flash player that plays this in the background. This when you visit his is exactly <laughs> what an electronic fog blog soundtrack should sound like. Shout out to Great job, the Bruce. composer. Great job, Bruce. Sorry. Um, would no, would you good. like this in the background? While you, I mean, I, it kind of works. I, I don't. Well, maybe. In in a world, I feel like I'm I'm watching. Where no wreckage a, is ever found. I feel like I'm watching an unsolved mysteries reenactment. Could right it now. be aliens? And if so, whoa! It's got some radio. Tra- okay, sorry. All I'm right, distracting myself. Okay. Now. <laughs> um. So often, no wreckage found. Like places where they're they're legit. Um. Yeah, they just legit can't find any wreckage. Another uh, similarity that's often reported with Bermuda Triangle disappearances is um, tools not working. So um, whether boats... Compasses, watches, yep, instruments, yep, etc. Boats or planes, things um, fritzing or breaking or pilots or uh, ship captains reporting that they disrupt and then start working again. Um, often causing, you know, confusion and fear and disorientation and all that stuff. Um, and then, um, the last, I guess, similarity, it's kind of similar to the electrical stuff, um, is just sort of that whole concept of, and maybe it's 
a, a part of the disorientation, but it kind of is reminiscent of some of the stuff we've talked about with some of the other phenomenon we talk about, which is um, like making bad choices or making strange choices or making um, like doing the less logical thing when you maybe should have done something different. Um, mm-hmm. th- that is often also reported in these circumstances as well. And this stuff gets documented from radio transmissions and it gets documented from calls and it gets documented from, you know, journals and things like that going back to, like we said, like the days of Columbus. I think this is one that because there are so many instances of ships uh, sinking or airplanes crashing or just weird things going missing or happening in this area over such a long period of time. Yeah. We tend to try and find patterns. Sure. And there's enough data available that if you are biased in your selection of those data points, you can find lots of different types of patterns. Right. Um, similar to like what we've talked about a lot of times with the missing 411 stuff. Right. Like, are these really patterns or are you... Think, are you looking for data points that match a pattern you already have decided is there? And potentially not focusing on the other ones that... Right. Don't. Because even with the, the Flight 19 story, like... Well, should we... Parts of it fit what yeah. you just described, and parts don't. So that's a good segue. So let's let's tell the Flight 19 story. So Flight 19 was like the... Um, kind of kicked off the whole Bermuda Triangle in, uh, in a pop culture modern mythology type of way. Yeah, it um it's one of the more strange for a variety of reasons that we'll talk about stories. Um and one of the more contemporary ones and it made news because um the the sad punchline is that 27 people died and six airplanes were lost in the course of 24 hours. Yikes. So it started on uh, December 5th of 1945 uh, from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. There was a naval air station in Fort uh, Lauderdale, Florida there that um, routinely ran training exercises in the Bermuda Triangle area. Um, the term... Anything to the east of Fort Lauderdale is within the Bermuda Triangle. So Yeah. So um, they would run naval and air force training missions out, you know, around Puerto Rico and around Bermuda in the area, and come back. And um, and it was a super common occurrence for them to be running the types of runs that were run on uh, December fifth, nineteen forty-five. So uh, the flight, flight nineteen, was actually five flights or five airplanes that were known as a singular flight 19. And actually the reason it was called flight 19 was because, uh, it was there the were 18 before it, there were 18 before it that day. So that's how frequently they're running these types of training exercises yeah. out of this, um, out of this airport or whatever Ace. naval air station you want to call it. So the idea is, uh, for this flight that flight 19 has is, um, there's fit, uh, was it 15, Guys in the airplanes? No. Uh, I believe it was 14. 14. 14 guys in the airplanes. So these um these airplanes that they're they're flying, they're called TBM Avenger torpedo bombers. They're uh they're notorious for flying low in the water and dropping torpedoes in that are supposed to hit ships and submarines and stuff like that. Dicks. Right? Um their plan was to basically go east uh over 
a place called Hens and Chickens Shoals, which doesn't doesn't mean what? anything to me. What is a shoal? Isn't that like a thing you wear? Uh, that's a shawl. Mm. <laughs> I was like, hen, hen coats? Hen coats. Hmm. Chicken, chicken jackets. The new chinchilla fur, a hen coat. <laughs> it's like a down jacket, it's made right? Made of live chickens. <laughs> um, sounds really warm. Sounds warm. Uh, they were supposed to go east. Uh, it was only about, um, it was only about uh, like a hundred miles, or no, two hundred and fifteen miles east. Sure. And then they would go north about one hundred and twenty miles over towards uh, Grand Bahama Island. And then they would fly back a third time uh, south and west back to the Fort Lauderdale base. So a triangular run supposed to last around three hours, super uh, rudimentary type of thing. So uh, shortly after they went north to go over Grand Bahama Island, uh, they got confused. So from radio transmissions, we have Lieutenant Taylor, who was the most senior pilot of Flight 19. He was the leader of the mission, Mm -hmm. um, was somehow convinced that they were over the Florida Keys, which if you know geography, I don't, but I have a map in front of me. Tight, tight. The Keys are more like south and even south and west of... uh, of the kind of tip of Florida. So like on the Gulf side, not on the Atlantic side, not entirely like more kind of coming down and out. So they, they, some of okay. them are more West, but then they come, your, your hand motions are not going to be helping. anyone. Yeah, no, you're right. right uh, <laughs> south and South, a little bit West and then East of Fort Lauderdale are the keys. South, West and East. Man. No you, wonder you got confused. It's hard to, it's hard to, um, it's hard to describe. I'm saying there are some islands that dot west of Fort Lauderdale, but then the whole mass as a whole kind of comes out at an angle southeast of Got the it. tip of Florida. Got it. Got if it. that makes sense. Uh, I think it's also worth noting that Lieutenant Taylor um, was fairly experienced uh, with this specific type of aircraft as well that he was flying that day and that yep. all of them were flying. He had 2,500 hours of flight time. Um, the vast majority of it being in the aircraft that he was flying that day. Mm -hmm. Um, And also that all of the planes were fully fueled before they left. See, Fort Lauderdale is up here on the east side of Florida. Showing me a map doesn't help. And then Key West is west, (laughs) but then there's like also islands that are east So it starts west of Fort Lauderdale, but sort of like curves to the east. Is that what you're saying? Uh, Vice versa, but yes. Got it. So now, I mean, I'm disoriented just from having that conversation. It's fair. I can imagine how Mr. Taylor may have gotten Lieutenant Taylor. Lieutenant Taylor. Do you know he was only 27 years old when he led this? No, but that sort of makes sense. It does sort of make sense. It just feels like a pretty young age to be the most experienced pilot in the sky with a bunch of new new pilots. Yeah, but that also might mean that he had been flying for eight or nine years. No, totally. And like, that's a, you know, that's a very solid amount of time to be doing it. I just, I guess it it surprised me that there weren't even more senior people around. It was just him and then the other 13 people in the air with him in this squadron of five planes. Well, do we know that he was the most senior person on the flight or just that he was leading that specific flight? He was the most senior flyer for sure. Okay. And, and the leader of the flight. Got it. 
Um, so we have radio transmissions uh, that are things like, I'll just read a couple snippets. Um, I don't know where we are. We must have gotten lost after that last turn. Both my compasses are out and I'm trying to find Fort Lauderdale. I'm over land, but it's broken and I'm sure I'm in the keys, but I don't know how far down. So also th- those are all from uh Lieutenant what's his nuts, right? Lieutenant Taylor, yeah. Thank you. Um cuz there's also a transmission from one of the other pilots that said, "Damn it, if we could just fly west, we would get home." Yeah. Head west, damn it. So which which seems odd that on that run where you're flying east, then north, then west, that you would ever think that you would need to be flying anywhere other than west to get back. Right. Like, they must have been very disoriented. Well, and he was saying, right, and he was saying if he thought he was over the keys, they had to go east to find... I'm just saying it's very surprising to me that he would have thought that's where he was. Right. You would have to be very off track to have ended up over the keys. Yeah. And be needing to fly east to get back to Fort Lauderdale. Yes. People speculated that he, um, apparently he had just recently transferred from another airbase and he was more comfortable flying over the keys. So someone had said that he mm. thought he recognized in the Hen and Chicken Shoals area, he thought he recognized a Keys Island. He was looking for something familiar and that's right. what came to mind because... Because he needed a landmark and then was like, oh, fuck, how did we get over here? So he thought he had fucked it up and then was like, fuck, now we got to go east. Yeah. this. He's also reporting, to go back to the formula part of things, he's yeah. also reporting that his compass is broken or fucked up and he couldn't figure out why and he couldn't get back on track. I'm just trying to... The, the part of this story that is most perplexing to me is how they would have ever gotten to the point of sort of panic and making these cascading bad decisions. Yeah. Because the, the whole, I mean, the farthest east that they were supposed to have gone was only 64 miles. Was it only that? I thought it was like a couple hundred miles east. Oh, sorry. 64 then the low-level bombing, then another 77. Okay. So, so okay. But we know that they did the the bombing. They got that far. Yes. Because we have radio transmissions of them confirming that they had done that. Right. So then, and you're over land at that point, correct? Uh, no, they were dropping them in the water. Oh, okay. Because they're dropping torpedoes. So presumably you know where you are at that point, though. Uh, At the point where you're dropping the torpedoes, yes? Yes. So then you're going another 77 miles, and somehow in that 77 miles, you get so disoriented that you think you're hundreds of miles in the other direction? That's the part that I can't quite wrap my head around. Yeah. And then also, why are all of the people who are flying with you not adamantly saying, well... At least one of them was. <laughs> yes. Hey, I, man, I think you're fucking it up right now. I think part of the issue might also be that uh, they noted or logged before the, this flight left that the clocks in the planes were not working. 
Oh, I didn't hear that. And um, they may have just assumed that the men had watches and it would be fine. Mm. Um, but I'm just thinking in terms of like, how would you get so disoriented? Maybe if you don't know how long you've been flying for. Yeah. And time can pass more slowly if you're sort of panicking yep. and thinking more about each individual action. It can seem like you've been going for longer than maybe you actually have. Yep. But it's just, that that's the most confusing part of this to me, is how that first confusion led to... Well, just how it was so severe and so sudden, it seems like. like yeah. You know, they, they, the first 60 miles, at least, of this flight went as planned. Right. And then suddenly you're flying, I mean, the, the end of the story is they flew dead east into the Atlantic, we think. Well, we don't know. We know that at a certain point they tried to go back north again, thinking that they had maybe gone far enough east to go back north, I think. Well, okay. Because I've also read from some more of those radio transmissions um, Taylor radioed will will fly 270 degrees west until landfall or running out of gas and that's what I mean is I think if they're headed east does that mean you go from your eastern trajectory west that much which would try to spin you back north is that how that works when you're flying an airplane I don't know I, I don't know I don't either and I guess why, why I'm assuming that they ended up, whether they, obviously they didn't think this is what they were doing, but why they ended up going east out into the Atlantic is there's a transmission also from Taylor, and one of the last transmissions was, quote, all, all planes close up tight will have to ditch unless landfall. When the first plane drops below 10 gallons of fuel, yeah. we will all go down together. So the reason I read an interesting anecdote that the reason that they do this is um i i read it or i can't remember there was a there was like a little documentary flick that i was watching a chunk of and i can't remember which one now but they interviewed a guy who was part of the search and rescue crew for this actual crash i would assume you greatly increase your chances of being found if you all stay together that's exactly what it is yeah. is they go look if somebody's going down we all go down and we have more lifeboats, more rations, more we can wreckage. Help each other. Yeah, just generally helping each other. A controlled landing is probably better than a crash. Yep. And I guess these planes are actually because they uh, because they mostly fly over water and drop torpedoes in the water. They're designed to actually be able to land on water pretty well on the chance that they need to to do that. So the guy who I who was part of the search and rescue group who said that. Um, uh, said that he was talking about the actual airplanes themselves, said something to the effect of uh, these things were sturdy as hell. You could land them on water, pop out the life raft, and never once get your feet wet, was the quote mm. that he said. I just found that really interesting as an anecdote around how even even if you fucked up that bad, that if you put five planes down, you should be able to land them in the ocean relatively easily pop open five lifeboats and not even get your feet wet and be found within how long because so that's the next I guess part of the story is by 7 p.m. when they lost radio transmission with flight 19 and they had started at four ish right? uh no two 
210, they left um they left Fort Lauderdale. And so this was five roughly five hours into the flight that they Yeah, and I think their last signal was six thirty, because it was only supposed to go three hours, but they were lost, so they were right. an hour or two past. Um they uh they immediately rallied a multi hundred plane search crew out of Fort Lauderdale. Really? Over the course of five days, 242 planes took to the sky. God damn. To go looking for these dudes. And they covered a huge area in the process. And the wreckage of flight 19 was never found. Not, not nothing. And another plane that was part of that search team exploded and everyone on it died yeah the there was another airplane um they're called uh what's it's it like called? a sky boat or something like that pbm mariner flying boat flying boat sky boat is a alice coltrane song uh, sick <laughs> close enough um 20 minutes after departing from fort lauderdale suddenly vanished off the radar and it too, and the 13 crewmen they had aboard as part of the rescue uh, mission were never found again. The aliens got him. So part of this mystery is multifold. One, why did Lieutenant Taylor's compass spaz out in the middle of a flying exercise? Two, wasn't it? Two compasses? Uh, yes, both compasses. Yeah. Why did they spaz out in the middle of the flight? Uh... Why did uh, one person's two compasses spazzing out, potentially could have been more of them, but we only know of his that were reported broken. Why did that lead to such a massive uh, confusion? Why was the wreckage never found for any of them in any place? And why did one of the first flights that went up after it also disappear without a trace, never well, to be found? Mm, there are reports of seeing the wreckage of that second uh, plane that crashed. The one in the the one they thought they found in 1991. No, different like, one. There are there were radio transmissions of another pilot saying, "I see some shit on fire in the ocean." Oh, I missed that. Yeah. Okay. Word. But what and, took and, down and, two and planes? Yeah. Okay. So, but what took down two planes? I guess in the course of eight hours. Well. <laughs> A note about the um, the flying boat, right? Yes, that was called. Oh yeah, I saw this. Um, is that they were they were known to have uh, accumulate gas vapors in their bilges. So like this, this plane is weird. It's intended only to land and take off from water, yeah. so it doesn't actually have landing gear on the bottom of it, like most aircraft. Yeah. So it has instead sort of a like a ship's hull on the bottom. Yeah. And so there was this area where the sides of the plane meet the hull of the boat Yep, where I guess vapor gas vapors could build up. And this was a known issue with this type of aircraft. Yeah. Uh, so maybe it wasn't terribly surprising that it exploded, but also Mm. if that's a known issue, why Why the the fuck fuck is that still an issue? Why are you flying it? (laughs) Right. Uh, this one could just blow up. Whenever, but cool, let's get in, boys. Let's put thirteen people in it and go fly it around and hope right. for the best. Right. So that that part is not terribly odd to yeah. me. I guess I I yeah. For the most part, I agree with you. 
I think the the weirder circumstances are why they in the middle of the daytime without inclement weather got so disastrously lost. Why did their equipment freak out and why were they never seen or heard from? So the official Navy explanation goes something like flight leader, Lieutenant Charles Taylor, Charles C. Taylor mistakenly believed that the small islands he passed over were the Florida Keys and that his flight was over the Gulf of Mexico and that heading northeast would take them back to Florida. It was determined that Taylor had passed over the Bahamas as scheduled and he did in fact lead his flight to the northeast over the Atlantic. Uh, the report then also noted that some other officers likely did likely know their approximate position as indicated by radio transmissions stating that flying west would result in reaching the mainland. Yeah. So basically they say said Taylor somehow get, got disoriented thinking the uh, islands were the keys. Right. And the other pilots had to follow orders even though those orders were taking them out to sea. Right. There are some reports that they believe it was possible that one plane actually did peel off on some, uh, nope, yeah. not doing it, uh, shit, and turned back. But if you're that far out there after that long in the sky, though, you probably don't have enough fuel to make it back to land, right? Which I think is what if you, they believe happened. Is if you that waited long enough? They tried to turn around and go, come back and be like, fuck it, at least we'll be closer to where they're coming from and yeah. still did not succeed. I mean, that is, that is the strange thing, that if they knew roughly where they were or where they probably should have been, yeah. and you're looking for five planes together and yeah. 13 people not finding anything at least on its face, feels weird. Especially with a five-day, I think the number was 244 planes were scrambled over the course of those five days to go find these guys. I mean, people flew and flew and flew and scrubbed that whole area where they could well, or yeah, should but, have been. But they all those planes all disappeared, right? Yeah, just they one just after the next. lost 240 more? Yep. And they rallied 2,000 to go after the 244, and those <laughs> all disappeared. It's fucked up. Then you got to put a mongoose out there. <laughs> To kill the snake. On a string. You got to get a jaguar to kill the mongoose. Seriously. It's no bueno. Um, so, so, yeah, there there are a few theories about that. Um, obviously, the most, the most common one is that they just straight up flew east and flew out of even the range of where the search party took them. You know what they say about the oceans? Oh, God. We really <laughs> yeah, are. We are beating this one it. to death. I'd like... I do wonder though if if you're searching even a slightly unknown area of the ocean, yeah, what your odds are of actually finding something, right? Because it's big as fuck right. in the Atlantic Ocean, and one thing about this specific part of the Atlantic that is sometimes credited with some of these disappearances is that the Gulf Stream goes directly through it. Yep. Which is a very strong current yep. that pulls things, ships, uh, airplanes which have crashed, debris, yep. uh, in a direction that one might not expect. Yep. And more rapidly than one might expect. Which could take you way away from where we would think you would be or where you would think you would be. Or where we would think debris might have ended up, right. et cetera. That's the crazy part about... Um, one of the things I was reading about Flight 19 specifically, but I think it applies a lot to 
all of the disappearances that have happened in this area. And I think, you know, well, maybe you, do you have a, any other specific disappearances you want to get to? Um, I'll just yeah. finish. I'll, let me, I'll finish this thought and then I'll let you hit that one. The, the, um, but one of the things we'll get to maybe later is, is this, um, this idea that like, to your point, the Gulf stream is coming through there. It's throwing people off. But back then, especially in the time of flight 19 and around that time, there wasn't radar. Like you weren't flying with radar to give you signals of where you were. They were purely flying by compass and their visual landmarks. Compasses which weren't working. Which weren't working. Which is why I do think there's a possibility that if you have airstreams that are affecting you that you don't know are affecting you and you're only working off your eyes because your compass is fritzed out, of course you're fucked. Like you're super duper fucked. So that's another question I have about this scenario. I've read that part of the purpose of this specific exercise was to teach slash practice dead reckoning skills, which essentially means figuring out your position using a previous position and the passage of time. Yeah. If doing that type of training exercise where that's one of the goals or one of the outcomes, I would think that not having a working clock in your airplane would be a significant problem that should be addressed before taking off. For sure. And seems like it could have contributed to some of the confusion around where they were, how far they had traveled, et cetera. But like those guys were all radioing back and forth to each other and there's a watch in that group. Probably, yes. I mean, I just feel like that's, that's the, a high probability yeah, of that. Sure. Um, and I, I'm just saying, I, I don't know if that caused it. It just seems odd to me that that flight would have even left sure. under those circumstances. I mean, they knew that the ones blew up and they let that thing go. So they were well, like, fuck it, you don't need a clock. There's that. You don't need not flammable planes. Get out there. <laughs> Um, we should talk about any more disappearances you want to get to so we could talk about what the fuck is causing these disappearances. Yes. Let's do our shout outs real quick first though. Hey, it's shout outs. Hi. Get your shout outs. Uh, we're taking a quick break for shout outs. If you go to what if slash shout outs, uh, it's 50 bucks and we'll say within reason, pretty much anything under 200 words. So, uh, yeah, uh, you can get, plug your blog, plug, uh, plug your friend, plug yourself. Um, you can, wait, what are we advertising here? Plugs, (laughs) plugs, not those kind of plugs, you weird ass plugs. Plug Uh, yourself, plug your friend, (laughs) let your friend plug you. Plug. (laughs) We got a couple, uh, we got a couple shout outs this week and or plugs. Uh, the first one comes from homie of the show, uh, longtime friend of the show, Drew Carlson. What up, Drew? Uh, Drew's a photographer uh, currently based out of Denver, Colorado, who didn't want to write anything, so we're writing it for him here's, with our mouths. Here's the only endorsement that Drew needs. He is the only person to ever take actual photographs of the two of us for the sake of this podcast. True. Or maybe just for anything, actually. That might be true. He's the, the only, only photographer to- we trust with our goddamn beautiful faces. You should know that that actually means a lot. Um, Drew's shot our rap shows and basement rap shows for fucking years and now he's like traveling all over the country and all over the world shooting everything from like fucking weddings to beautiful night sky classes to 
fucking MMA fights and all kinds of crazy shit. So uh, Drew is dope, and you will like his photography. Uh, find him on Instagram at Denver under, underscore photo. That's at Denver underscore photo on Instagram. Uh, or go check out his website and see all his fucking pretty photos of like fucking Macklemore and like crazy cool famous people. Uh, DrewCarlsonPhotography.com. Give me the computer. Let me read the other one. Okay. You're going to like it a lot. Okay, great. I promise. I think it's more fun if whoever hasn't read these reads them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Hand here me you that fancy-ass mortgage payment times three-ass computer <laughs> over there. It's in the top right corner. It's not going to take you long. Oh, it's a short one. Um, this episode, <laughs> sponsored by Jimmy Two Times, because why the fuck not? <laughs> I like that he used... Yes! <laughs> I fucking love you guys, man. Jimmy from Virginia just said he wanted to sponsor the show by himself. I love because that why the fuck not? he used about 10 words and left out one important one. What's which, what's that? Is probably should have been in that sentence, but I, love, I like it. No, just no, the way it's it just this episode sponsored by Jimmy Two Times. Yeah, I guess. Because why the fuck not? <laughs> All right. Uh, if you want to do that. Go to our website. Whatifpodcast.com slash shout out, or you can just go to shop.whatifpodcast.com. It's easy to find there. Wish uh, your mom a happy birthday. Yeah, wish wish your dog a happy anniversary. <laughs> okay. A pup anniversary. Let's talk about some more disappearing shit. All right. Love you. Show's not over. Okay. See you in a sec. There are a few, like, ghost ship uh, whole ship disappearances. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Ellen Austin is to me one of the more interesting versions of that. But it's really hard. I mean, we're talking about the 1800s with a lot of these or earlier. Sure. And it's really hard to know how much of this information is factual at all. Uh, how much of it has been exaggerated over time? How much of it has just been unintentionally, um, changed and sure mutated over retellings but the the basic idea of the ellen austin is that one ship comes across another ship that is moving pretty fast across the ocean open ocean yep but is totally uninhabited yep there's no one aboard so the crew of ship a sends part of their crew over to ship B to take control of it, take it back to port. Yep. Uh, depending on which version of this you read, either ship B never arrives back, disappears, or ship A and ship B meet up again later and ship B is empty for a second time while still traveling across the open ocean. Oh, goo. Yes. Um, these happened in and around and passing through the Bermuda Triangle. This whole like thing didn't obviously occur within the Bermuda Triangle. It was right. a ship that was originating from England, I believe, coming to the Americas. Right. Um, and then when they intercepted it, we're sending it back to England. So both ships would have sort of passed through the Bermuda Triangle, but, um, it's just really hard to track down any, there is no documentation. It's all oral history. It's all a retelling of a retelling of a retelling. And it happened, you know, 150 ish years ago. Right. One of the more interesting and more modern versions of the Bermuda Triangle stuff to yeah. me is the 
time warp slash electronic fog version of um, aircraft weirdness and disappearances and portal jumping or whatever it is. Heyo. One version of this happened in 1959. Uh, I'm retelling a version that from Charles Berlitz's book, The Bermuda Triangle. Mm. He doesn't cite a goddamn thing, so who knows? Good for him. <laughs> he claims this happened in 1959. Um, at the Miami airport, there was a National Airline 727 that on its approach to Miami disappeared from radar for about 10 minutes. Um, the crew aboard this flight didn't realize anything strange had happened or was happening until after they landed and began hearing concern from air traffic control. Mm-hmm. So air traffic control is tracking them on their way in. About 20 to 30 minutes out from touching down in Miami, it disappears off their radar for 10 minutes, and then it shows up again and lands. What year so, was this again? 59. Okay. So when they land, air traffic control starts talking to the crew aboard the the flight saying, what happened? Did you guys have an issue? Why did you drop off radar? And yeah. they say, we don't know. We didn't have an issue. We didn't know we dropped off, off radar. Uh, but they noticed all of their watches aboard the flight were 10 minutes behind mm. air traffic control. And they had had a time check with air traffic control because they were timing out their landing at Miami yep. 20 minutes before this incident happened. So their time was synced, and then 20 minutes later, it was off by 10 minutes. So you get into this world of missing time and things taking longer than they should or less time than they should. Yeah, I just got out, traveled out. 70 miles in three yeah, minutes. How did yeah. that happen? Well, and another version of this is actually Mr. Bruce Gernon of Electronic Fog Blog fame. Sick. He kind of had an experience that took this to an extreme um, in which he was flying through the Bermuda Triangle and (laughs) he describes it as a time storm. Mm. So he was flying a a small... Clocks and gears <laughs> rotating around you and yes. ticking sounds instead of thunder. Uh, he he describes flying a plane through the Bermuda Triangle and seeing um, sort of a portal or like an opening mm. in the clouds directly in front of him. It's called a hurricane, bud. <laughs> he, you should go the other way. He flies into this. Into what he calls the heart of the time storm. It's called the eye of the storm, bud. That's what happens to hurricanes. <laughs> you shouldn't have done that, bud. And then coming out the other side of what he calls a tunnel vortex. That's called a tornado, bud. <laughs> which uh, resulted in 30 minutes of uh, missing time or, well, the opposite of missing time. He moved 30 minutes ahead suddenly. Yeah. So I guess... He had 30 minutes of missing time. Yeah. But uh, so one second to the next, 30 minutes passed. Yeah. And he had moved forwards on his flight path 100 miles. He attributes this to something that he calls electronic fog. And he believes it's a natural-ish phenomena 
similar to something like St. Elmo's Fire, some mm-hmm. sort of natural electrical storm or something. Yep. That actually attaches itself to a craft and moves with it. So whether it's static electricity being um, conducted or uh, attracted to the metal hull of the craft or... Yep. This is not the most scientific fog blog, so I'm kind of (laughs) speculating on the behalf of of Bruce. I've seen some other references to uh, this electronic fog concept. None of them seem particularly scientific. It's it's not. But carry on. Um, But if something along these lines were to happen where you have some sort of electronic uh, or electrical disturbance due to some sort of weather phenomena, Mm -hmm. it might explain why compasses and other instruments malfunction. Right. Um, It could explain some of the time anomalies, maybe. Maybe. Not in like a real time sense, I'm thinking, but more in a... The tools themselves. Your watch might be fucked up sense. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone aboard the ship, if it does attach to the ship itself, might experience the same thing. Yeah. Um, It doesn't really account for the the distance traveled. No. Your version of it where, yeah, you flew into a big-ass storm and it pushed your little plane forward faster than you thought you were going could potentially do some of that maybe combined with some sort of electrical interference yeah uh it would also explain if you were flying you know without advanced instruments going mostly by compass or by dead reckoning right it would explain some significant disorientation you probably can't see as well you're you're not seeing landmarks if your instruments are messed up if your timepieces are getting messed up you come out the other side of this thing in an unfamiliar place. Your instruments are giving you weird readings. You think more or less time has passed than has actually passed. Right. You might get lost. You might feel a little weirded out by that. You, yeah. you might put her in the drink. Yeah. Put her in the drink, bud. <laughs> Do you, um, go ahead. No, that, that's, that's the extremely condensed version of the electronic fog theory. And there are many, uh, versions of that story yeah yeah, throughout the years totally mostly i haven't really seen that applied to ships it's mostly airplanes okay i I guess i don't know how that would work at sea level right and with something presumably moving more slowly through water not through atmospheric conditions yeah um while we're talking about Charles Berlitz and his book that doesn't cite a goddamn thing. Sick. Um, so man okay. after our own hearts. Three of the, I put them in my notes as fun explanations that he uh, presents. I so, like this. Let's do fun explanations and then I'll tell you what I really think yeah, is yeah. going on. So the first one he, he report or he suggests is the electronic fog. Yep. Um, portals, swirling lights, temporal distortions, electromagnetic distortions, Time storms. Wait, 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 what? What? These are all one thing? He's saying these are aspects of the electronic fog. Oh, okay. I was like, wait, there's a lot going on right now. No, sorry. These these are uh, descriptors of the electronic fog. Also, my guy, you can't just say swirling lights. That's not... (laughs) Oh, you can. The swirling lights did it. Um, That's that's not a thing, man. You just... He then closes the section by saying, quote, this goes back to ancient explorers such as Christopher Columbus and his crew who experienced the phenomenon. Which there is a report of them seeing a light. Did, yeah. That's Which it. was on land. 
They saw a fire. They think it was they they think it was floating, but I bet you it looks. Uh, they didn't know there was an island there with people on it. it also, because he didn't know where the fuck he was most of the time. It would also look like it was floating if you're bobbing up and down in the ocean, my guy. My man was a dumbass. <laughs> and that turned into he saw UFOs and experienced electronic fog and blah, 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 blah. UFOs and alien abductions are the second explanation offered by Mr. Berlitz. I've never seen Close Encounters of the Third Kind, but... Yeah. At the end, the Flight 19 pilots come back from the UFO. From the desert. Don't they land in the desert? Yeah, but the UFO dropped them off. Got it. Duh. I've never seen After we made a pact by playing organ music at the UFOs. Surprise. I have not seen that movie. I feel like we need to put this whole thing on hold until you watch that. Maybe we should have a separate list. It's just of all the movies Ryan's not seen and he really needs to. Put it on that list of shit we need to watch. I'm okay with that. I can get down with a list of movies I just need to start mowing my way through. Uh, Mr. Berlitz calls this aspect space kidnapping. Okay. My new favorite term for (laughs) UFO abduction is definitely space kidnapping, and I'm only using that from now on. He talks about it. See, this is good because if you use space kidnapping, you're not insinuating what may or may not have done the kidnapping. Well, something from space. Well, yeah, but who knows? Or something going to space. Maybe that's the giant hand of God plucking your toy airplane (laughs) out of the sky and yanking it out. That wouldn't be a UFO per se. Well... It's a space kidnapping. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that yeah, it, yeah. It, it allows for a broader definition of where where and by whom if you I may ta- have been taken. If I attached a big enough balloon to you, I could carry out a space kidnapping. <laughs> oh, yes, let's do it. <laughs> well, wait. To kidnap someone, do you have to go with them? If I send you somewhere, is that a kidnapping or do I have to accompany you there for it to be kidnapping? Like when Garfield used to always threatened to mail Nermal to Abu Dhabi. Mm, wow. Was that a kidnapping or was, is there a different term for that? That's a really good question. Um, okay. It's hurting my brain. <laughs> we'll, we'll move on. Lawyers, get at us. No, uh, it's, it's, it's not a kidnapping. What is it then? It needs another. I was just thinking, I was like, it needs a word. Whatever that word is, just put space in front of it. I mailed you <laughs> to another universe. <laughs> um, Space... Space courier service? Space couriers? We're starting it. TM, TM, TM. (laughs) Uh, Berlitz cites someone named John Spencer, who I've never heard of in UFO and alien lore before. Hey, but he cited somebody. He thinks that aliens are stealing people, and they're stealing people from the oceans because it's easier to be sneaky out in the ocean. Because there's nobody near you. Not as, yeah. Mm. You got some good cover. Take, plucking people off of boats. Yeah. Um, he thinks they're doing this because they've seen so many planets um, out in the universe be destroyed or civilizations be destroyed or go extinct that they're creating, quote, a living relic of Earth on their planet. Oh. Which I put in parentheses like a zoo. Like a diorama? Well, living. Yeah. Yeah, they can like have a living a, diorama. Like a natural history of another planet? Museum? I think it's I think it's a zoo. Yeah. yeah. Space zoo. I think you're right. Space zoo. They're building a space zoo. Oh, sweet. God, he also that would says be sweet. or maybe they're checking in on us so we don't blow ourselves up with nukes. I don't I don't know how plucking airplanes out of the sky is accomplishing that for you from people to never be seen again or heard uh, of again. Maybe what's maybe that's what the probing is about, and then they put you back. 
Are you radiated yet? Nope. Okay, you can go back. Yeah, but I, if you're I, radiated, I, you got to come with us. What I'm what I'm saying is, none of the people who disappeared in the Bermuda Triangle came back and said, "Well, maybe they put they them down put somewhere something else." Something in my butt. Maybe they put them back somewhere else, or they dropped them back off in the ocean, but the boat wasn't there anymore. And sorry, R.I.P. Irradiated. Bro, that'd guy. be such a dick move. Right? Well, they don't know about boats. <laughs> Enjoy your trip home. <laughs> they just go back to the same coordinates and poop. Splash your ass It's like back the, one of the first times I caught a fish. Dave, we keep missing it. I don't know why. I caught a fish. I swear and I, the butt was here. I, last I took time. him off the hook and I was going to put him back. I didn't know that you got to kind of put him gently back in the water. Oh, so you flapped him? I just kind of gave him a toss and RIP fish dude. Yeah. He, he slapped the water pretty good and I think he was out of here. He, he, Maybe he, that's what they're doing with us. He went night night. I think so. Yeah. If they, a fish gets knocked out, does it die? Uh, No. Okay. I don't think so. <laughs> you sounded confident. I'm going with it. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty confident, but I don't. I don't think so. He then also goes on to say that UFOs have been around much longer than airplanes, so obviously they have been observing us since the dawn of man. This uh, is this Spencer dude. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. Uh, he has a long interview. Berlitz has a long interview with him in this book. With a guy who's saying a lot of shit that is also unsubstantiated. He closes by saying that the UFOs emit cathode rays, which create a vacuum, and that vacuum disintegrates airplanes. Bro, where did these people come up with this stuff, man? Just it's it's so- surely unsubstantiated. Yeah. Zero evidence. Yes. Pure conviction. Yes. This is what's happening. This could be us, and we could be doing book tours. That's all I'm saying. That's what's that's what's next, y'all. We could be speaking. I thought you were going to share an outline with me. It's in our folder. Go look at it. All right, tight. It's called Let's Write a Fookin' Book, Mate. <laughs> Go find it in the folder. Yes! <laughs> oh, can we call it a Fookin' Book? <laughs> yeah. For the UK version. We got to find a UK publisher. All right. Um, lastly, and uh, most insanely, he, su- most. he suggests... This being Chucky Burlitz. Chucky frickin' B. That there's an ancient underwater civilization that may or may not be Atlantis. And this civilization would have developed much earlier than us because life existed in the oceans before uh, it existed on land. Uh, so obviously they would be far more technologically advanced than we are by mm, now. Sure, 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 sure. He doesn't clarify if this civilization is like humans or some sort of human derivative, or dolphins, or aliens, humans or, in scuba suits. Yeah, um, but that this under ancient underwater civilization is fucking with our boats, mm. and that's the reason that they be sinking. Okay, and the people be disappearing. Okay, that's and the airplanes be that's crashing. Not, that's not true. No, nope. no, it's not. <laughs> um. I did learn today, though, that, um, oh, also he says that Atlantis was a real continent, and it was located uh, to the east of the Bahamas in the Atlantic Ocean. Just. But the Bermuda Triangle got it. <laughs> got it? Got, got. The continent got, got, fell <laughs> through the triangle hole? Yes, correct. Wow. <laughs> Say anything with confidence, and you can lie your ass off. Do you, you have just, a lie just, was born on there? I feel like that's gotta, a pretty good time. You just got to put like one qualifier in God. there. Like, Allegedly, yeah. that continent fell through or, the Bermuda Triangle. A lie was born. Or yes. some people believe or experts say. Ex- we, we should just make a whole list of all the bullshit qualifiers. And then use we're gonna, them perpetually. We're going to start every sentence of that goddamn book with one of them. Mm. 
I did learn, uh, lastly, that the U.S. Navy has an Atlantic Undersea Test and Evaluation Center. Whoa. Which happens to exist underwater within the Bermuda Triangle and is used to test submarines, weapons, sonar, and, quote, secret projects. Mm. Uh, and <laughs> according to Berlitz, um, quote, some say this is used to reverse engineer alien technology and is behind the disappearances. You said it was the Coast Guard? Uh, no, the Navy. Oh, U- Navy. U.S. Navy. Okay. I was going to say. But if, also the aliens. It's was, a cover for the aliens. If any if any U.S. department is not reverse engineering alien technology, it's definitely the Coast Guard. They already have boats. <laughs> aliens don't even use boats. The aliens should be reverse engineering the, our boats. The Coast Guard's like, we're good. Bitch, we float. <laughs> we're supposed to float, <laughs> and we float. That's all we really need. <laughs> you can mo- make us float faster, that'd be sweet. But <laughs> float that's about faster. It. Float faster. Um. You got anything you want to close with? I want to close with what actually happens. Oh, sure. Because I think it deserves a a bit of time. I went to all the bullshit because I don't think there is one explanation for what actually happens. I don't think there is two, but I think what, what I mean by what I think actually happened is I think flying and shipping uh, over the past 500 years has been pretty dangerous and nature is fucking lit. And that combination in that specific place where there is an increasingly higher frequency of both flying and shipping and nature being fucking lit is a perfect recipe for people being like, wow, a lot of shit goes bad over there. Wow, a lot of people disappear over there. Wow, a lot of shipwrecks and plane crashes happen over there. It's Yeah, it's because nature is fucking lit and doing those things is extremely dangerous. And we do it hundreds of times a day now. Right. So a few more actual specifics around that um there are things like rogue waves that are like real and documented and probably killed some lighthouse keepers in the flannan isles right there are microbursts which are real uh what that is it's like basically when um it's kind of hard to explain but essentially it's when in a thunderstorm a massive gust of wind and rain blows like down out of the storm closer to the it's like it's not like a um water spout but kind of similar it's like the opposite of a water spout yeah because it comes down from the sky and like mm. blasts the um blasts the air and well the that's ocean the, the sky civilization oh sure 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 saying sure. banishing us to the ancient sea civilization it's the, a Battle as old as time. A battle Ryan. as old as time. There's there is also water spouts, which are well documented in and around Bermuda. That's a that's a water tornado. Water tornado. Okay. Uh, they can they can start with water coming up, or they can start with a storm going down. Jeez. Um, but they sounds scary. Can form out of nowhere. They are scary, especially because and man, this one kind of fucked me up, dude. Somebody was talking about water spouts, and they were like. Yeah, the hard thing about water spouts is you can't hear them. So if it's dark out, you would never see it and you would just fly into it. Wait, why can't you hear it? Uh, Like in an airplane, I guess they're saying like they were insinuating that it wouldn't really give off an audible like, oh, there's probably a water spout near us. It would just be like engines, it's, air, whooshing. It's uh, not it's not particularly louder than like what you would normally hear. So you would just potentially be flying through... Hey, you just spin around a couple times and come out and come back out the die. other side. No, nah. and go right down. Now you go through the the vortex time cube or whatever the fuck. 
Um, it also has this area like of uh, of the Atlantic also has super unpredictable weather. So I, I watched some interviews with uh, Bahamanians and people who live in that area who basically say that fishing in the area is extremely dangerous because if you go too far out, the weather can change on a dime and you can go from beautiful, sunny, tropical day to tropical storm to in like dick, 45 minutes. And so that could explain a lot of why um, people are disappearing with no signs of why they would disappear, no SOS signals, nothing yeah. like that. They just go and they're like, what the fuck happened? Well, if it's getting dark and you're flying into inclement weather that you can't really see and all of a sudden it gets nasty out of nowhere, plunges you into the ocean, you're fucked. Another part of it that I think is crazy and another reason that nature's fucking lit is because this area has a combination of both really shallow and really deep water. Mm -hmm. So like around all of these island chains, there's a lot of really shallow water, shallow reefs. It's another reason that fishing in that area is really dangerous is if you go too far to one direction, you can totally run up a reef and just gut the bottom of your boat, but it doesn't look like it's any more shallow based on where you are related to the surrounding land masses. And then the other side of that is there are places where I think it drops like 3,000, 4,000 feet straight down off of those very shallow reefs. So if your plane does crash and it starts sinking... You're not going to find that record. You're not going to find that plane because that plane's yeah. going to be a mile in, underneath the ocean at a certain point, and that's going to be really hard to find. So... um. There's also, I mean, there's a couple other sort of natural things that... The, did you come across the methane pockets? Yes, methane pockets. So this is a thing where <laughs> if um, when the tectonic plates rub together, they often release, uh, through the earthquake, they release pockets of methane gas that are yeah, trapped in the earth. Big old bubble. It's a big old bubble or a series of trillions of micro bubbles that come up. Sure whooshing out of the bottom of the ocean at the same time and they're looking to escape the pressure and get to the top of the uh, top of the ocean and as they do if they come up underneath a boat it actually that area loses its buoyancy because of all the water turns to foam and it can no longer support the weight of your craft right and then and if you sink and if you go under just enough to take on water it wouldn't even have to be your whole boat. It could just be a portion of the ocean that would lose its buoyancy. It could either tip you, it could tip a front of your boat into water, and then it could capsize you or just pull you underneath entirely. That has not been documented in that area, though, correct? Isn't it usually farther north in the Atlantic? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Has I, it ever... Do we know that it's taken a boat? We um, know it has the possibility to. I don't know that right, it's right, ever the, been... The actual... Uh, uh, whatever the actual thing methane pockets yep. have been uh confirmed to yep. be real things yeah we just I don't, I don't think we have an example of one taking down uh, for sure one taking down a ship okay that's i don't, I don't I think we even even know for sure that it is something that occurs in the bermuda triangle i think it's only been observed farther north yes but it's just another natural possibility here is a way a boat could sink that would look odd or could happen suddenly and without right. evidence after the fact. Right. I, this whole thing really comes down for me to like, there are just way too many data points for any one thing to explain all or even a majority of them. I, yeah. I, I mean, I completely agree with that outside of, I guess what I, what I think is, I think that 
natural causes and the high frequency and location of the area are what make it feel like a pocket. Yeah. But a lot of skeptics say, I, I, I have, um, I have one article where they were talking about most officials say that it's not really a disproportionate amount of right. disappearances based on what goes on in that area and has gone on in that area for hundreds of years. Right. And like, you know, I, yes, I don't think there's any one thing that happens. You know, another one they talk about is um, compass distortions happening from true north versus magnetic north in that area. There is an area in the Bermuda Triangle where um, true north and magnetic north line up. Mm. And most navigators are generally compensating for true north versus magnetic north. But if you don't know that and you don't know where you are, your compass could be 20 degrees off of where you think you're going because you're mentally compensating right. for where the you're compass is pointing it when you don't need to be right. And then you could be 20 degrees off of your flight path. And depending on how far you fly, you could be very fucking far away from where you think you're going if you're yeah. 20 degrees off. So there's a bunch of small natural occurrences that I feel like happen in that one area that all add up to, boy, a lot of shit goes wrong here. And it's like, well, yes, a lot of shit does go wrong there, but not any more so than anywhere else in the world. And also it makes a lot of sense for what goes on there, both from a weather and a nature perspective, as well as just the volume of yeah. planes and ships that traverse that area. One article, Not I to suck the fun out of it at I mean, the very end. There are some awesome but, stories out there, though, if you want to dig into them. Yeah, definitely. The I think the best summary of it that I came across today, uh, somebody put it as, trying to find a common cause for every Bermuda Triangle disappearance is no more logical than trying to find a common cause for every car crash in Arizona. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's a big area. A lot of shit happens there. Right. In a lot of different ways. Right. It all ends up looking kind of similar or being similarly bad, right. but it's not one thing causing all of it. For sure. Like, a lot of people are texting and driving, but also somebody was uh, hallucinating and thought they saw a Bigfoot in the middle of the road. And somebody or, got stuck in a... Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. just... I, that, that, like, clicked for me when I read it that way of, like, yeah. oh, yeah. We always try and look at, like, whether it be this topic or UFOs or any of this paranormal shit, like, yeah. we look for one reason... That people are reporting these things. Right. It's like, there's there's not one, probably. It's probably a hundred different things. I'm not saying it was aliens, but it was aliens. Also, I mean, that leaves the door open for some of them were aliens. Yeah, just and a I, couple of them. Yeah, yeah, One or two of these <laughs> were definitely space kidnappings. And thank you. Thank you for correcting my, yes. <laughs> my terminology. Yes, you're welcome. Um, a... That's it, guys. We're going to leave it here for the week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for supporting the show. If you want to send us a uh, email, it's hi at whatifpodcast.com. If you want to leave us a voicemail, it's 612-246-4614. What up, Bear? We heard from Bear for the first time in a while. Good to hear from you, Bear. Uh, go ahead and leave us a voicemail there. Uh, again, the Patreon is patreon.com slash whatifpodcast. Get double the episodes every single week. And if you want your shout-out on the show, go to whatifpodcast.com slash shout-outs or shout-out, either or. We'll take you there. It's only 50 bucks, and we'll say 200 words about whatever the fuck you want. Almost. Mostly. Mostly. Okay, love you, bye. Love you, bye. We out of here. Did you sample a... Uh...